the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Paul tells us that we are adopted, accepted in the beloved. But it goes much deeper than that. While you and I can sign papers in court and make a child our own, God takes it one step further, as we'll see next. The spirit of adoption. What an amazing truth to consider. And that's what we're looking at today. The Apostle Paul tells us that we have this spirit of adoption. You see, as I mentioned a moment ago, we can sign papers in court and make a child our own. But God goes further than that by making us one of his own through his spirit. Much more than just a piece of paper. Let's explore this amazing truth together, shall we? Once again... Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. David said in one of his psalms, if you remember, this thought is too high for us. I can't attain it. So Jesus is brought forward. And to notice we are joint heirs of Christ. I mean, this doesn't help a whole lot in some respects because this is so wonderful. But it's too high for us. That's why we need a mediator between the glory and us. We cannot look at the unveiled face of God and live. So Jesus comes forward and we see God's glory in his face. And what do we learn about God from Jesus? That he loves us. He is merciful. He is patient. He carries our burdens. He entered deeply into our miseries and our sorrows. Did he not? He even said, when everyone was condemning the woman caught in adultery, even though it was a trap, but Jesus looked at this woman, rather unique in the Gospels, and he said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. My personal belief is that that woman will be in heaven, and we will see her. Because what we will see there is God delighting in mercy to sinners. Are you a sinner? God delights in his mercy. Look to him. So this inheritance is mediated through Jesus. What did Jesus receive as a reward for his obedience and his sufferings and his death? He received a name that is above every name. And the fact that every knee will bow to him. We can't see it now. But everything that is going on in this world is God fulfilling his promises to his son to bring down his enemies. Everything going on in the West, all the conspiracies, many of them are real. All the confederacies, they are real. All the banksterism and all the fraud and lies are real. They are crooks, and we know they are crooks. The majority of politicians are crooks, and we know they are crooks. But all of that 
Is God giving his enemies over to madness and blindness? Because we will have his son exalted. No one walks on water but the son of God. And no one is creator but the son of God and savior of sinners. So God the father having seen his son humble himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He has exalted him to his own right hand. And if we could only hear the counsels that are going on now as the son is arrayed in majesty and glory. He says, Father, I'm going to smite these with blindness. I'm going to smite these with stupor because the West had the gospel, but they have rebelled against that gospel. The church really needs to bear witness to the truth. But it hasn't really been doing much of anything. Let me tell you something. The church has borne witness to the truth in the West for over 1,000 years. And yes, there is judgment. Because it is the church that has capitulated. There is no doubt about it. But there is more judgment to come. Because the light of the gospel has been rejected by the men of the West. And Jesus is reigning and he is crushing and he intends to make sure that every knee bows and every tongue confesses. And Isaiah 60, 12 comes to pass, which says, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations will be utterly wasted. Just remember this. Every headline you read, every newspaper, every amazing thing you think, how in the world could God's enemies stoop any lower? That nation, that kingdom that has not served him will be utterly destroyed. Now that's what our Lord Jesus received, and we are joint heirs with that. We are joint heirs. Do you remember what Jesus' last prayer was before he went to the cross in John 17, 24? He said, I pray, Father, that these whom you have given me may be with me where I am, and they may behold my glory. You see, Jesus Christ, as our mediator, has bound himself to us. Please get this in your head and heart. He considers himself as our Savior, our head, our captain, bound to us. And he has bound us to him. Does he have a crown? He's going to share it with us. Does he have dominion? He's going to share it with us. I have to admit, I don't fully grasp all of this. There's no way we can talk about worthiness and how these things can be. I don't know how. But we don't live in my world. And the limit of my understanding is not the limit of reality. You see, we live in God's world. And he says, I have exalted my son, and I am going to exalt my son's wife. I am going to exalt my son's body, his church. So we are going to be crowned with Jesus. Now, beloved, that ought to make you carry yourself just a little more dignified. Don't you think? You young men, do you identify yourself with the slothfulness of this world? with rings in your ears, or with the crown rights of Jesus Christ. This culture is the Titanic going down. All the music you hear on the radio is the music of the Titanic going down, and that music keeps trying to convince us that the Titanic will stay afloat. And it is not. 
Because there is a king in Zion. And his name is Jesus Christ who rules over all. And he's going to share his glory. His crown with you. If you are in him. So being a son of God. Being a daughter of the king. Is the most precious thing beloved. And oh. To die with that hope. You know we hold on to this life too tightly. Sometimes I watch the TV. And it's all about health care. Health care. Health care. Health care. Why? Well actually we know why. But behind it. All of it is fear, fear, fear. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I need to have good health. I need to live as long as possible. Why? Fear, 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 fear. But Christians have nothing to fear. As a matter of fact, Scripture even talks about how blessed it is when the godly man dies. We think, oh no. When a man dies at 40 or 50, it's terrible. God says, I've removed them to be with me. So they don't have to live any longer through all this junk and this rebellion of the wicked. He says, Christians, we face death differently. But we need to face life differently as well. This is not a death wish. Let me just pine away and not take care of my earthly responsibilities. No. Since we know there is a king and we are joint heirs with him, we better be about our father's business. Are we? If God calls you to a little sphere or maybe a bigger sphere, he wants you to be about the business of that sphere. As a daughter of the king or as a son of the king, Take care of it. Realize I am an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Jesus suffered, but he has entered into his glory. And I may suffer a little bit, but I'm going to enter into that glory also with him. So how are we living? Do we live as those who are ready for the return of the king? You know he's returning. He may come and take you or me today but he is coming because this world is not defined by the scientists or the media uh, moguls or the bankers or the politicians it is defined by the king of glory and he is returning and he will be admired by all of them that believe and for those who do not they will beg for the rocks to cover them up and for the earth to swallow them up so be ready For the king. If he has given you a talent. Don't you dare. Bury it. If he has given you an artistic skill. Or he has given you a money making skill. Or he has given you a teaching skill. Or a musical skill. Whatever that talent may be. One little one. Ten big ones. You better not use them. Or you better use them for his kingdom. Because he expects a return from those talents he's given you. You might say well that's not very nice. He ought just just to give it to me and let me do with it what I want. Listen we don't live in our own little world. We live in God's world, and we may have no right to bury our talent, whatever it may be, that he has entrusted us with. You see, this gives us real purpose every day. 
The king is coming. I am a joint heir. I am a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now there is a caveat. We don't like ifs, do we? But we need them. I certainly know I need them. Verse 17. If so be that we suffer with him. If so we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. Remember Satan tempted Jesus. And one of his temptations was. I'll give you all these kingdoms. Just bow down and worship me. What is behind all of that? First of all Satan's a great big liar. He doesn't have all the kingdoms of the world. And he doesn't have all the glory. But none of the, nonetheless he offered it. What was he trying to get Jesus to do? You know, Satan knows the scriptures. He even knew them better than the Pharisees did. He knew the Son of God was what the Son of God was coming to do. He knew that the Son of God was coming to die for sin. He knew Isaiah 53. He hates that passage. It's one of his most hated passages in all of scripture. So Satan said to the Lord Jesus, just worship me. Your father's just a big fat meanie. He wants to skewer you on the cross of judgment. All you've got to do is take 10 seconds, bow the knee to me, and we will join together in toppling this tyrant. What did Jesus say? You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you worship. There's no glory except in obeying the Father, beloved. There's no crown worth having except through the through obeying the Father. There's no crown except through, if God calls us to, suffer. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul expands this idea here. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2, 10 through 12. <clears throat> Therefore, I endure. Notice how this principle of the crown animates and invigorates. Therefore, I endure all things. Boy, Paul wasn't whistling Dixie, was he? Lions, stoning, poverty, hunger, stripes. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If you have read any accounts of the early martyrs, including also some who are literally being killed today, there is a weird sense, kind of sense of privilege. In fact, we even sing about it in one of our hymns, Faith of Our Fathers. There is a line that does not resonate really with us today, it is, and blessed would be their children's fate if they, like them, should die for thee. Do you feel that way as a parent? Father, it would sure be a blessing if my children could be a martyr for your name. We don't talk like that today, do we? We don't feel that way. That's why we don't talk that way. It would be a blessing for my child to be a martyr. Now, we ought not have a martyr's complex. That's not what I'm encouraging. But I'm encouraging. If God calls us to it, it is a privilege to suffer. 
and to even have a tiny little splinter from off the cross of the Son of God in our lives. It is a privilege for someone to look down their nose at you because you are a Christian. It is a privilege because there is no crown without a cross. There's no glory except through suffering. You might ask, why has God set it up like that? God didn't invite us to his councils. So we just need to shut our mouths on this issue. And he says, I have set my son as the paradigm. And it is the perfect paradigm for sinners. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. God raised him up and exalted him. He is our head. And that same pattern will hold true for us. By the way, that is a great remedy for not fearing men. Why would I fear men? I'm going to judge angels. Are are we not? Why would I fear what other people think about me? Now, that doesn't give me a right to be arrogant. We've got enough of that in the church today. We've got all the answers, you know. Everyone else is stupid. We don't need that. But there is a certain holy boldness that I am an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I bear my Father's name. He's going to exalt me one day. He, the Son of God incarnate with His own hands, is going to put a crown on my head. He's going to say to me with the voice that brought Lazarus from the tomb, Well done, good and faithful servant. Blast away, world. Ridicule away. Let me just tell you about the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I'm I'm not trying to win arguments with you. Let me just tell you there is a king, one Jesus, and I know him. And he saved me from my filth. And he made me, who was a dog and an enemy of God, his son. He made me his daughter. Let me tell you about this Jesus who saves people and who heals people. He healed me. You see, that is how we will be bolder. If we take more seriously, I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Christ, but we're going to have to walk like he walked. We're going to have to be willing to suffer as he did. You know, the church in this country lost the will to suffer. I don't know the exact year. I'll just set it, say, around 1830 roughly, but somewhere in the early 1800s. We bought into American exceptionalism. We bought into Let's go massacre the Indians. Let's go steal land from the Mexicans that had been living on it for centuries. We called it manifest destiny. It was really manifest robbery. And the church bought into it. We're here. God put us here. We ought to expand. For many years in the 1840s, 50s, and 60s, the leading souvenirs... At many fairs that took place in the West were Indian scalps and other body parts that were used for tobacco pouches and purses. And we as the church turned a blind eye and we're doing the same thing today. We're going into other countries we have no business going into. And this isn't a political judgment, it is a moral judgment.
We are murdering, we are massacring, or we are financing it. And the church says, let's just set up another American flag over here. As I'm sure you've noticed, we do not have an American flag up here on this platform. And it's not because I'm anti-American, my friends. It's because I am pro-Christ. And there is a king, and he doesn't sit in Washington. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And we need to understand that the church in this country lost the will to bow before that true king, Jesus Christ. Conservatism is really the code word for less government and let me do what I want to do. But when Christians buy into conservatism, that just means we don't want to use the Bible directly because unbelievers won't like it and they won't listen to us and it will probably bring embarrassment to us. Listen, there is no crown unless there is suffering for Christ. So if we want to do something really good for this land, We, in every capacity, must bow the knee to Jesus Christ alone as the only king, whether it is in the private realm or the public realm. And there is no nation that will prosper without a self-conscious national confession of the name of the Son of God. And we have not done that. We have grown embarrassed, and we don't want to suffer. Now we are irrelevant because we lost the paradigm. The paradigm is not let's build and the church becomes theater. Do whatever's necessary to bring people in. By the way, that didn't happen in the 2000s. That happened in 1860. They were already building massive church structures that were more like theaters than they were simply places of worship. Let's just fit in with the spirit of time rather than speak of the king and his sufferings and of his love because we ought to grow that. But we may as well just close our doors now if we don't outgrow it. If you want to keep the church vibrant, talk of the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And if that doesn't interest you, you've, got to, you've gotten way too big for your britches. Because there is only one king. And he says, I have made you my sons and daughters. I've made you my heir. Now you go out and you suffer for me. When you speak in your business, you speak of me. When you do your work and make as much money as you can for me, make sure you tell everyone you know that God gets the credit for where it came from. You be the best teacher you can possibly be. But you do it for me. You be the best state representative you can possibly be. But don't you dare close your mouth for Jesus when I put you in that place. You talk about the king because there is only one. And everyone is a usurper. If the California state legislature does not kiss the sun, it is a usurper of the glory of God. We used to believe this in the church. We don't anymore. That nation that does not kiss the sun will be destroyed. But God has made you through faith in Jesus a son or a daughter. And you have his spirit. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. And if God brings a little bit of suffering into your life this week, rejoice. Jesus said, blessed are you. Is that what you normally think? 
blessed are you when men speak evil of you? Of course not. We want everyone to like us. But Jesus said, blessed are you when men speak evil of you for my sake. Blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you for my sake. He said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for your great For great is your reward. If we suffer with him, we will also reign with him who loves us, beloved. Our Father loves us. I do not want you, any of you, to leave here today without being hit with this one more time. God, through Jesus, loves you. Where are you struggling? Call upon him. Believe in him. Trust in him. Pour out your heart to him at all times, and he will bless you. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.